time for Conversations with MIT Medical. Care for the community. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. While teens under 18 are not yet legal adults, they have very different needs than younger children who are served by pediatrics. My guest today is Dr. Patrick Egan. He's a family practitioner providing primary and urgent care for adults as well as teenagers at MIT Medical. Welcome to the show, Dr. Egan. What services are available for teens and adolescents at MIT Medical? The basic deal is that we are able to provide essentially any primary care service that a teen or an adolescent would need. We have um, access to all of the standard stuff that one you know looks for. We do primary care if you've got a runny nose. We do checkups for um, pre-sports physicals, and we do routine preventive care with all of this. Um, so it, essentially everything that one would want from the pediatricians. As these kids get older, they go from having an annual checkup when they're seven or eight or nine to what I hope continues to be an annual checkup when they're 13 and 14 and 15. Um, one of the real challenges for adolescents is they're kind of reluctant to come in and talk to us. They're always a little bit you know, hesitant. There's always a question about you know, what, what would I say that might get back to my parents, if there's something that they're concerned about. Um, and we try to address all of that in our visits. We want to make sure that they're healthy, of course. And we want to make sure that the decision-making, which for adolescents is often um, a little more risky, is at least they, we, we try to get at it. We can't always sort of direct all of their behaviors, of course. Um, I have my own kids, and I know that this is true. But the idea is that we help them work through some of these questions that they have. So in many ways, it's much more of a relationship-based interaction than it is a physiology-based interaction. But for whatever might come up, if they're sick or if there's other health issues, we can take care of that as well. So what are some of those health issues that you're discussing that might be difficult? Are you talking about maybe drug use or sexual behavior, all of those kinds of things? And how do you discuss those and bring those up with the teen? So the answer is, yeah, we try to go right at that stuff, frankly. Um, The things that kill children, teenagers, are things like motor vehicle accidents and other trauma. Um, Homicide and suicide are among the leading causes of death here. Um, Those things are health issues, and we address them directly. We talk to kids about the stuff that they're doing. Um, The other area that you mentioned, sexual health, is also um, a huge issue. Kids have to make decisions with the changing situations where they find themselves. These are kids who are going from being little kids to being adults, and with that, um, comes a lot of change. The way that most of us address this, the way that we're all trained to do this, the way that we're all comfortable doing it, is to be straightforward about it. You know, are you having sex? If you're having sex, have you been doing this and that and that? And kids are occasionally, quite frequently, uncomfortable with that, but in so many ways, they're so relieved to be able to get these questions answered by someone that they can trust. Um, one of the things we, as parents, always tell our kids is, come to us. Kids may or may not do that, But the alternative is, you know, find out what you can from your friends at school. That's not a great alternative. And so sometimes the providers, nurse practitioners and and physicians that work here and elsewhere um, are a great source of information because we can do it confidentially. We're not going to tell mom or dad that, you know, Jimmy or Janie asked about this question, problem, whatever. That's not at all what we're after. We really want to make sure that these kids feel like there's a safe place for them to get reliable information, both about mental health stuff as well as the sexual and behavioral stuff that they're up to. 
Now, you mentioned that, Dr. Egan, you mentioned the confidentiality. At what age does the teen's medical record become private from his or her parents, and can they consult confidentially with you about these issues? The standard approach that we and other offices that see adolescents that we take is that around age 13, if a child is um, sort of appropriately developed child, the, uh, we'll start to make that discussion explicit with the parents as well as the kids. And the way that I always have done this is um, I'll have the parents, one or both, come in at the beginning of the visit. And when the child's 13, I'll say out loud to mom and dad and to the child, this visit is going to start the cycle where I will keep secrets if your child divulges anything to me that I'm not scared by. Um, The way that I often will uh, help the child understand what I'm saying is if I'm worried the child might hurt herself or someone else, if there's a homicidal or a suicidal thought that's you know, bubbling up or other very serious stuff, that's when I'll break that confidentiality. But short of that, if people are using drugs or having sex, that I might try to discuss that with them, but that's their decision. And that needs to be um, discussed in a safe place. They need to know that they can tell me the truth about what's going on. And that, for me, is the most important thing. I need to be able to talk to this person directly about what's happening. And if they feel like any little thing would get back to mom or dad, they may well withhold some information that might be really important. So uh, I look everyone right in the eye and say, look, I'm not going to tell you everything, mom and dad, that I hear from your child because I think it's really important. And the giant majority of folks are comfortable with that. Um, There are some folks commonly from other cultures, folks who have come here um, from another country or another culture, where that's not the way that these things are managed. And I'll have a long discussion with the parents about why I think it's so important. Well, you mentioned if it's scary, but something yeah. like giving birth control might not be scary, but it is something very important to that teen or adolescent. Where is the line of something like that, letting a parent know or not letting a parent know that your child has asked for birth control? Uh, I will encourage the children to talk with their parents about this kind of thing, because I think it would actually be a whole lot better if everyone were on the same page. But I'll talk to parents about stuff like this and make clear my priority, which is I feel like the child needs to have uh, confidence that whatever decision that he or she makes is going to be supported, and I'll provide as much useful information as I can. It is, in fact, scary for me to contemplate my children becoming sexually active. It's a really, it's a big step in one's life. And I need to keep that in my head when I'm discussing it. But it's not my decision. And these are things that um, children, adolescents, I want to be careful that I'm not talking about little, little kids. That's a good story. Um, but if there are, um, if these kids are making decisions about stuff like this, they're probably going to make the decision whether I contribute to their understanding or not. And I feel yes, like that's because that's what teens do, isn't it? Now, yeah. you and I discussed a little bit off air. Are MIT students considered adults even if they are younger than 18? And what does that mean then for their medical care and navigating the healthcare system on their own? So for teenagers who are younger than 18 but are enrolled as uh, freshmen, or some of them are even older than that or more further along in school, um, we treat them as adults. Um, We consider them to be emancipated minors and they can make all of their own health decisions. Um, Even in that setting, it's appropriate for us to involve families if there are larger issues going on. But the children, and I still feel like these are children, even if they are, in fact, functioning as adults, um, they can make decisions. Um, 
some of them have health issues that they don't want to divulge to their parents. And as long as with this emancipated minor status, as long as those folks are making good decisions, then we have to honor that. That is to say, if someone were going to be admitted to the hospital for a mental health issue, if someone in fact were suicidal, I wouldn't necessarily divulge that to parents in the case of an emancipated minor, provided we can give them the correct care. That is to say, if a child needs to be hospitalized for a mental health issue, we will do that and allow them to do the disclosure to parents. It's an uncomfortable situation because, again, coming back to me as a parent, I would certainly want to know. But as we get older, we may or may not disclose all of those things. And so um, we need to be, we providers need to be respectful of the maturity of these children. A lot of them are making what are, in fact, the best decisions that they can make for themselves, even if they're uncomfortable for me. And so as as an adult... I would respect even if I disagree with the decision. We um, give that same, I guess it's a privilege, that same privilege to the students who are enrolled here. So if someone had a drug or alcohol problem and went into rehab and didn't want to disclose that with their family, that's something that we would respect even if I might disagree with it. For younger kids, it's a different story, partly because of the way the insurance is set up. But um, if one is an undergraduate here at MIT, we, we treat those individuals as adults. So wrap it up for us, Dr. Egan, about treating teens and adolescents and even MIT students. What do you want people to know and where can they get more information? What I want them to know is that if they need care for whatever the reason, we can provide it or we can at least facilitate them getting it. They can come for essentially any medical problem and we will help them with that. The adolescents are going to be able to discuss, quite frankly, what's going on in their lives. And we want them to know that. And we are certain to make you know, clear to the parents that we will respect their wishes about what they want to disclose and what they want to keep private. But the easiest thing for them is they everybody needs to get regular primary care. Adolescents are no different, and we want to take care of their health, all of the pieces of their health, physical health, mental health, sexual health. Those are all really important parts of growing up and becoming an adult and becoming your own person. Um, We want to make that as seamless as we can. The best way for anyone to contact us is through the website, probably, um, and get that from the mit.edu website directly. We have um, phone access. All of the providers um, are happy to talk to folks. We don't typically put together our Follow My Health um, uh, portal for adolescents partly because they are not old enough to sign off on the contract that's required. Um, but we don't necessarily disclose the parents in, even without that. And so um, the, the children can come contact us. We will give them the very best care they can have. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're listening to Conversations with MIT Medical. For more information, you can go to medical.mit.edu. That's medical.mit.edu. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.